guys, it's David uh, reporting from day two of San Diego Comic-Con 2013. A little bit more movie stuff today. Um, not quite as much as I'd hoped because I didn't get into... I, I tried, but I did not get into Hall H as early as I had hoped to. Um, that, that line situation has gotten out of control there. But uh, you don't need to hear about that. You can read literally anyone's Twitter feed to and see complaints about how long the Hall H line is. But I'll tell you about what I did see, um, which was most almost entirely Sony, um, at least as far as panels go. I saw the Sony panel for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, which uh, if, you, if you remember, if you listen to the podcast, um, you might know that I was a very big fan of the first Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and I've been skeptical about this one um, based on the fact that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who directed the first one and went on to direct uh, 21 Jump Street, were not involved in this, uh, in, in, the, in the sequel. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the panel had... Um, <clears throat> Bill Hader and Anna Ferris, who voiced the leads, and then Terry Crews, who was replacing Mr. T. I'm not sure why Mr. T didn't or couldn't come back, but uh, Terry Crews is always a good choice for your movie. Um, so, based on the footage they showed, it seems like they actually are retaining quite a bit of the sort of silliness. Uh, the the absurdism of of the first one, which is what I liked so much about it. So I, I I definitely after that panel, I'm I had kind of written the film off to be honest, and after the panel, I'm a little bit more um, interested in it. The uh, the idea is that after the island on which the first the island town on which the first uh, in which the first film took place is evacuated, the uh, the food machine continues to work in mysterious ways and actually produces not only large food, but uh, mutant food animals, or as they call them in the, in the film, food, foodimals, I think is what they, how, how they said it. So there was a lot of, in the footage they showed, a lot of uh, inventiveness, you know, most of it uh, pun-based, you know, the, the, cho- the, uh, the taco dial, the, um, yeah, I almost said chocodile, that's a real thing. Um, the uh, watermelephant, all sorts of uh, uh, chimpanzees, lots of lots of pun-based food animals. Um, but that's that. Um, uh, so yeah, like I said, I'm a little bit more interested now than I was. Uh, the second thing was Mortal Instruments: City of Bones, which. Uh, if you if you listen to the podcast regularly, you might have heard my WonderCon update about that, and that's um, I don't know what to say, but it, it it just doesn't look very exciting to me. It looks like you know I know it's based on a real thing, but it looks like sort of fan fiction come to life in which they're using all sorts of. Uh, you know, weird invented fantasy type terms with a lot of seriousness, and and there, it's about you know the very very uh, in an unsubtle way, it's about the sort of romance or the chemistry possibly between our heroine and this mysterious uh, 
shadow world warrior that's guiding her through finding her true self, which is not a human. I'm, I'm sorry, they're not humans in the movie. They're called mundanes, which is a bit of an insult, by the way. Uh, yeah, I don't have much else to add from WonderCon. It just looks bland. Uh, the footage they showed was... Um, there was more of it than there was at WonderCon, including some effects that I, I have to admit the effects uh, were um, pretty well done with this with this uh, sort of mutant and mutating uh, creature. Um, so maybe you know the effects will be good, but the, the, the it just doesn't seem like there's much of a human sort of entry point to this for someone who hasn't read the books. Um, after that, at Sony was one of my most anticipated uh, panels of this convention which was um, Robocop, the remake, which I, you know, I am a huge, huge fan of the of Paul Verhoeven's 1987 original Robocop. And uh, this one, I've been, I've been skeptical, you know, they're changing some things, uh, which they probably should in retrospect, you know, they shouldn't just do a blatant remake. Uh, or, you know, blatant copy. Uh, so, But it's not Omni Consumer Products, it's now Omnicorp, and uh, Robocop is uh, the, his sort of armor, if, if you will, is, is black instead of silver, so there's um, there, there's some just sort of maybe more superficial changes, but it, what was heartening about it to me was not only that the footage looked kind of cool, but that uh, the director, Jose Padilla, um, talked a lot, uh, as did Michael Keaton, who was on, on the panel, uh, and is playing, I guess, essentially the Ronnie Cox role from the first one, but again, things are changed quite a bit, so it's not quite the same. Um, it, but Jose Padilla talked a lot about the sociopolitical... Uh, Relevance of his story, which is something that I would hope would, would hope would be there, because that was it was a big part of RoboCop. Uh, yeah, that it was talking about uh, a lot of it was about um, the consumerism and overspending of the me decade, and um, this sort of fetishization, fetishization, fetishization of. Uh, Technology and growth and power, you know. Uh, as you remember in the Robocop, there's uh, all these ads for the brand new uh, car, the 2000 SUX, which is a cheap but funny joke that I still laugh at. Uh, and here he's talking, obviously, times have changed. He can't make the exact same comments, but he's talking a lot about um, drones and, and sort of robotic uh, warfare being conducted and the idea of that. It's not really an idea. It happens of that sort of technology being used domestically for law enforcement, and uh, the I guess sort of moral or philosophical uh, questions that could arise uh, and do and have arised uh, out of that. The other thing that that this this footage had that I had hoped it would, because the original RoboCop did. Uh, you know, the original RoboCop is, uh, obviously, it's an action movie, it's a science fiction movie, it's, it's all these things, but people forget that it's also a comedy. It's a very funny movie. And um, I don't know that they're hitting it quite as hard here, but there definitely is some uh, exaggerated sort of 
satirical elements. Perhaps Samuel L. Jackson plays uh, a character who has a um, a, a cable news style talk show where he's very uh, forceful about his uh, opinions and and, uh, Samuel L. Jackson was on the panel he described the character as uh, (laughs) Rush Sharpton uh, so you get an idea of what uh, two very different yet very similar uh, public fig- figures that he's drawing from there. Um, so uh, I, I would I will say that um, like with Claudia with the Chin's meatballs and maybe maybe, maybe even more so, um, I left this panel more excited uh, for the movie than I had been going into it. And then the final Sony panel was The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which, as a panel, was just a... a was good fun to watch, you know? They had Andrew Garfield come out in the Spider-Man suit and answer questions to Spider-Man from the moderator, and then he had to leave to go fight a crime or whatever, and then Andrew Garfield came out as himself, and, uh, you know, he... uh, almost all the questions, you know, even though Jamie Foxx was there... Uh, as was Mark Webb uh, and some producers, um, Andrew Garfield was the focus of a lot of the questions, and he handles it very well. He seems to really enjoy and appreciate Comic-Con, or at least he is good at uh, seeming to do so. But uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it seemed genuine to me. Uh, but I tend to, <laughs> since I tend to idealize and romanticize Comic-Con, maybe I'm given to... Uh, uh, to interpreting things that way. Uh, so, you know, there were things came up, like uh, Andrew Garfield said in a movie recently, you know, there, in, a movie, in an interview recently, rather, that there's no reason we shouldn't have, uh, you know, for instance, I think he, the, his for instance was a Spider-Man who's gay and is in an interracial relationship, you know, he's saying that's something you don't see with these properties, so very careful with being sort of not pushing too many... Uh, buttons or boundaries uh, in those sort of with those sort of social issues, um, but as Andrew Garfield pointed out to him, that's not a social issue or a political stance. That's just uh, humanity, uh, and that uh, two two people, two grown people who love each other, should be allowed to love each other, no matter what uh, I guess uh, categories they fit into going in. Uh, and, and so he had said that, he talked about it on the panel, and there was a, a, a question in the question and answer, uh, the Q&A, you know, and it wasn't really a question, it was just a, a, a kid, uh, you know, a nerdy kid who also happens to be uh, both a minority and gay, um, just essentially thanking Andrew Garfield for, for making those points, and it was a, it was a very emotional uh, moment. So, and Jamie Foxx is a very, very charming uh, person, so that was fun to see. But uh, the footage itself, I have to say, uh, did not uh, overwhelm me. Uh, I guess it was underwhelming. Uh, and most of it seemed to ha- have to do with the um, the story of Electra, the villain that Jamie Foxx is playing. The footage they showed had a lot to do with his... His, his going from being a normal guy to becoming Electro, and it was just, uh, you know, his character is that he's a regular guy who is often overlooked, no one ever t- 
takes him seriously or even calls him by his name and no one respects him, you know, uh, and the reason we know this is because those are almost literally the things that the character says in the movie. He says, no one calls me by my name. And then when Spider-Man does, he's like, uh, Spider-Man really is the amazing Spider-Man. Like, that's an actual line. He is the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, it just felt really unsubtle. Um, and, and I... It just... You know, my main my main problem with the first Spider-Man was the treatment of the villain. Uh, and how it felt kind of phoned in. And it kind of feels like that's what's happening here as well. Um, so, I can't say that I'm excited for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I will say that Andrew Garfield gives good panel. Uh, so that was it for Sony, and then I wanted to stay for the entirety of the next panel, which was Metallica um, presenting you know, footage and, and discussing their upcoming concert film slash apocalyptic science fiction action film starring Dane DeHaan and of course Metallica, you know, as themselves playing, I don't know if they have lines in the movie God, I hope that, I don't know if you saw Hemingway and Gellhorn on HBO, but Lars Ulrich should not be in dramatic roles uh, so I'm hoping they're not, like, uh, they're not characters but, you know, it's essentially a, a story of Dane DeHaan getting caught up in some sort of apocalyptic battle that's entered cut with Metallica concert, and it's in 3D, uh, and it was, and I, so I stayed long enough to watch the trailer, the 3D, then it was, uh, I think there might be a trailer already exist, uh, extant, but, um, uh, this was, uh, apparent from what they said, a new trailer, uh, that had not been seen before, and it was in 3D, and it said, uh, you know, lines in the trailer, not lines, but like on-screen text was 3D has never felt so heavy. Uh, and, you know, the crowd was really eating it up. It, it definitely was a panel that uh, could suffer from that, that Comic-Con uh, echo chamber where you feel like, yeah, everyone's loving this thing, so I guess it's great. Because, um, you know, I like Metallica as much as the next uh, self-respecting uh, American. But um, it, it, the, it, the footage got a great the, the, the trailer rather got a great response um, and the movie is going to be playing in IMAX uh, it's kind of insane um, so I don't know if I'm recommending going to see it I can't do that but uh, it's a 3D Metallica concert movie that's also an apocalyptic uh, action thriller starring Dane DeHaan it, you know it, it it probably won't be boring, I guess, is what I have to say. And that's it for panels, but the major movie thing, actually, for me uh, today was that I actually saw a, a movie. It's very rare at Comic-Con <laughs> to actually see a movie, but uh, I got to see The World's End, which uh, is the uh, Edgar Wright-directed uh, final chapter, I guess, in his... Um, uh, his trilogy that is formed by Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and now The World's End, um, which is um, about a group of people who were friends when they were 18 or so, um, now, uh, you know, twenty over 20 years later, um, getting together to recreate an epic pub crawl from there, from when they were 18, and... Uh, and it it goes on from there. Uh, of course, you know, like just like Shaun of the Dead is a romantic comedy that ends up having zombies in it as well. Uh, this is a movie that's a, about um, 
people either trying to move on from their childhood or trying to hang on too much to their childhood, uh, and then it becomes <laughs> something much more than that. I, mean, I, I was, uh, I, I know there's there's trailers out there, and the movie's already been released in England, I, I believe. Um, so it's very possible that you know a lot about it. I uh, had remained mostly spoiler free, and so I was, I was glad for that because uh, I got so into the story that when when the when the shit started going down it was really like oh yeah this is like there's more to this movie it really took me by surprise um so that was a lot of fun um i do think it's not it's got a lot of laughs in it and that uh, that's great I, I mean i'd still give the movie an a minus but it's not up there with it's not up there with Shaun of the dead it probably is not quite up there with hot fuzz uh, partially because it feels like um, a couple things. It feels a little maybe angrier or sadder than the other films, which, uh, I mean, if you know me, you'd think that's right up my alley, but it just, I, I guess it, we've been giving a certain, given a certain expectation of, uh, uh, of a certain humanism that marks uh, Edgar Wright's other works. And there is a humanism, certainly, to the world's end, but it does seem a little more pessimistic, and also pacing-wise, the, the 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 final act kind of uh, uh, peters out, I would say. So it's probably, like I said, it's not up there with the other two par- parts of this trilogy, but it's still an A minus movie. So I, we're talking, you know, we're talking about probably my favorite director working in comedy today. Um, and uh, this definitely feels very much at peace with his other work, so uh, we're still talking about a film that I loved, but the bar is set pretty high going in, and I don't think it quite lived up to that. So that's the movie stuff that I saw today. Um, I hope to see I hope to see a bunch tomorrow, but I could end up seeing almost nothing tomorrow. We'll see how these lines go. So uh, thank you for listening, and there will be something in the feed tomorrow. Bye.